You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. So, but how's everybody doing post-Valentine's? Like, at this point, um, where's my, my last born? I just want to hand the mic out to people because uh, my valent- the Valentine's is what I'm going to use to enter my message. So this is how you know when the pastor has prepared for their message or they have all this kind of intro and everything they used to enter. So it's the Valentine's Day I want to use to tension people this evening. So who wants to go first? How, pastor Dolly, how are you feeling post-Valentine's? Did they vow you? Did you vow them? They vowed you, wow. What? More than one person. Because you said they. <laughs> I want to say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three of them. Wow. Okay. It was not. It was an actual person, a human being. Akin, Adewale, Ayomikun. Which one? Hmm. Wow. So it's not like breakfast kind of violence, a proper. <laughs> any, any, did anybody have a different Valentine's Day experience? Ah, uh, you had a different. Do you have, Pastor, Pastor Dolly, I was asking you now. It's not what you are used to, Abby. Yes. So what happened on Val's Day was that. I woke up, I was just trying to start my day, it was a Monday, and then my mechanic called me that I should come and see something. I said, what do I have to come and see? But we've had a previous conversation, so I was thinking probably wanted to show me something. So I went to it, I thought, I need to start working. But I said, come and see something. So I went to his workshop, I saw my car has been vandalized. Wow. So as I just saw it, I could not just process it. I just I was just going back home. As I was going, I was just crying. Wow. And I went to my apartment and I cried and cried and cried. Like, I can't help you. Why 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 is this all this happening to me? So I'm like, ah, it's Val's Day. Why am I crying like this on Val's Day? <laughs> so I just said, Oh, it's catch I'll be fine. So that's my own special Valentine experience. Wow. Not so fun, but that was what happened. I'm so so sorry to hear that to Pastor Dolly. I really am. Wow. Uh, Nigeria is hot. I'm so sorry. So you know the one thing about when she said she had a different Valentine's Day experience. She said she, I woke up in the morning. I was thinking she was going to say the blue fafarafa for me or something like that. That was where I was thinking the story was going, but but it turns out that's not where we are. Wow. Um, wow. I do not know what to say, but um, well, we know who we serve. And the Bible says that the years that the Kankawam have Kankawam has stolen, he will restore. So God is a God of restoration. And we pray that the restoration of God will meet you at this point and that what seems stolen will be fully restored to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So okay, let me now phrase my question probably. Who has a good, <laughs> a sweet and nice Valentine's Day experience? It's not sweet and nice. Kai. Wow. So you know what was going on now is that me, I expect the answers I had processed in my mind. I was thinking that from there, I will now use it to teach the message. But you guys have, how do I want to start my message now with what Tony has shared? With what Pastor Dolly has shared. But okay. Um, the end goal of what I was going to, what I was hoping to receive from you guys is 
how situations that we find ourselves in affect our emotions. And that's the title of today's message, is Mastering Your Emotions. Um, and the reason why I was keen in on Valentine's is because, like Mommy Gio said, Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day is one of the biggest stressors I've seen on people's emotions in a really long time. Those who are vowed, you see the way they go all out, you know, there's pictures, everything all over the place. They're, you know, writing poetry and love notes. And then those who are not vowed, who are not like me, you can see the frustration in their, in their emotions as well. You know, there's a lot of crying, a lot of Baba, Baba God when, you know, you know, somebody's son will also love me one day, those types of things. But we see how the, <clears throat> the vagaries of life, how they affect our emotions. Um, and for, for children who serve a God who is so detailed and very specific in how he operates, um, it, would, it, it begs the question, why is it that we are so, our emotional well-being is always in such a state of flux? If you ever reach out to somebody in the day and ask them, oh, hey, how are you doing? How was your day? They will give you this, which I talked about, they will give you the standard answer, which is fine. But if you do any a little digger deeping, and you I mean, a, dig, a little deeper digging rather, and you ask them how are you really feeling, and you try and do a little a bit more investigation, you start to see that from Monday to Saturday, they've gone through an emotional roller coaster. Maybe Monday was great. I started the week off wonderfully well. I met my um, you know my bosses. Everything went well, and then by Tuesday, uh, Falon Rochon in the office decided that that's day she's going to show herself. I messed up this and this, that. So you see everybody just going through this up-down cycle of emotions. And the question is, is that the way we're supposed to do life? Because we haven't seen anyone display a mastery of their emotions, we, ex we assume that, oh, since everybody's doing it that way, that's how it's supposed to be. But then when we measure ourselves up to the standard of Jesus Christ, we see somebody who had total control on all his emotions. And it's not something that he started doing at 30 when he then be became anointed. We see that demonstration from even when he was 12. Classic, classic example for those of you who know the story. Jesus, mommy, daddy, and all our family members and neighbors were all going to Jerusalem for our special Hallelujah Bazaar. So they all leave and they... They, I was going to say drive, but they didn't drive. They walked to Jerusalem. And when they were done with the feast and they were going home, all the Israelites, all the people from um, Galilee, Israel, Galilee, they were all going together. And obviously, Jesus' parents expected that he would be in that crowd. So by the time they had gone, let's say they had gone, they are walking from here to Oshodi. They had gone, they had passed. They are going to like Oronshoki. They are like, ha. Jesus, where are you? And they are looking for him. So just, I want you to imagine sort of the, the course of their emotions. They've gone to, to the feast, they've had a swell time, they've seen all their friends, you know, they've shared, they've eaten, they've enjoyed. So emotions are very high. Then they say to them, oh, it's time to go. It's like, oh, come on, man. I just had all a fun time with my friends. So their emotions are slowly dipping. They are trekking, trekking, trekking. Along the way, again, you can imagine maybe when they are trekking and they see some of their friends, emotions will go up. Then when they are trekking and they are like, man, I'm tired, emotion has gone down. They're trekking, yeah, it's something fun, you know. So you can just see the way their emotions are trending. 
Then they get to Onroshoki and they're like, Jason, where is Jesus? We can't find him. The emotions plummet all the way down to the ground. And then you can imagine what that process is again, trying to make your way back to Jerusalem to go and find this naughty, mischievous boy. So again, emotions are trending down, trending down, trending down. Eventually, they get to Jerusalem and they ask, you know, ask, um, brother, brother Paul, have you seen Jesus? Ah, I saw him around there. So, okay, emotions are trending up again. They ask him, ah, do you know, they start looking for Jesus. And the more, the, the closer they get to where he might be, the emotions, you know, they start to get a bit hopeful again. At least they didn't kidnap him. He's around somewhere. And then when they eventually find him, they ask him, you this boy, what are you doing here? And he says to them, don't you know I should be about my father's business? We see a contrast between the emotional state of his parents and his emotional state. He's in his so At no point in the days when he couldn't find his father and mother was he, did he start crying. His emotions were settled. Throughout the time, and the Bible gives us some insight, as he was speaking to the doctors of the law in the temple, and they were asking him questions. You know that if you don't know the answer to the question, you know how your emotions will spike. His emotions were always settled because he knew what he was doing. He had a full understanding of what he ought to do at every point in time. And it's that knowledge, that ability to know what God requires of you and to be well equipped to do it, that helps your emotions stay solid, helps you stay emotionally centered. But that's not our experience for a lot of us. For a lot of us, we are like Ephesians. We are the people Paul described in Ephesians, we are swept about by every wind of doctrine. Today we wake up, we are on a high. Tomorrow we wake up, we are depressed. And we go through those vagaries, that cycle, on a consistent basis. I'm here to tell you that that's not the plan of God for you. God wants you to have complete control over your emotions. So, first of all, does anybody believe that that's true? Because I can say it, but if you don't believe it, you don't, do you believe that that's true? Does anybody believe that that's not true? You don't be, I love it. Please, where's my microphone? Thank you very much. This is what we do at the exchange service. We ask questions, we inquire, we get feedback, because I'm not here to preach at you. I'm here to just challenge you to a higher living and ask you how you think that can be done and then show you some of the ways that we do it as well. So yes, why don't you think that's true? We are humans. Say that again. We are humans. We are humans. Yes. So what does that mean? We are designed to live a life of roller coaster. Yes. Ha. Right. Okay. All right. So let me now ask you, does anybody else feel that way? That well, you feel that way as well? Just give me the mic. So I think what he's saying by being human is that the, the default setting of human beings is that every now and again you come you face a challenge that knocks you off emotional balance and it's just only normal that you feel emotionally down sometimes and yeah and i do stay to be to experience an emotional stability for a long time which is what god demands but this is lagos we're in lagos right so <laughs> every now again something comes and just take you off and get yourself back yeah that's it okay anybody else here we go Um, I just want to buttress my point. I think it's a yes and a no answer because whilst we are still human, he, I don't, 
I'm not so conversant with, you know, quoting Bible verses, but we are told not to worry about anything. That doesn't mean that we're not present and we don't sense danger and we don't sense what's going on, but I think it's about stabilizing yourself. Like, okay, yes, this happened to me, but in spite of everything, God is my refuge. I don't think he expects us to be more than what we are. I just think he wants us to bring all our worries to him. Absolutely. Anybody else have anything you want to share before I jump in on this? All right. All right, for, for me, I feel that um, God actually wants us as humans to control our emotions. That's why, <clears throat> excuse me, that's why Jesus was able to give response to Satan when he was being tempted. So it's, if he could not uh, control his emotions, then he would definitely might have feel, even as much Jesus also have his own temptations. So I feel mastering our emotions is something God wants us to do. Absolutely. So let me jump in on this really quickly. I want to address what you said because the truth is what you said is not a lie. We are humans and we were created with the capacity to feel. It is not something we are not supposed to do. We are expected to feel because the person who made us has feelings. Whether you choose to believe it or not, God has feelings. At some point in the Bible, God told them, he said, I'm angry. At some other points in the Bible, the Bible says the, 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 the anger of the Lord waxed hot. So there's angry, then there's angry. God had, he felt those things. There's a place where David does something to God. He's like, look, I want to build you a house. And you can see how God just waxes so emotional. God is like me, capacity to feel. But the problem we have is that we allow our emotions to drive us. Whereas with God and with Jesus, we see by extension, when they had, when they came into a situation where they were, where they felt something, their emotion was not what was driving them primarily. So I'll give, let me just give a quick example. There were places where things were happening, everybody else was feeling some kind of way, and Jesus refused to feel that way. Jesus goes to a place to go and heal somebody, to go and raise somebody from the dead, technically. He gets there, everybody else is crying. He is not crying. As a matter of fact, he says, get them all out. Everybody, take them out. And I will do what is required here. The point is, do you think that Jesus did not have the feeling that, ah, this person has died? That feeling that we all feel when we lose somebody who's important to us. Yes, he did. In another place, his very close friend, Lazarus, dies. As a matter of fact, they sent word to him two days before to say, bro, your friend Lazarus is sick. And any of us here, I speak for myself as well, our natural response would be, ah, my friend is sick. Oh yeah, everybody, let's, pack, let's, let's rush down. I mean, I'm the son of God. I can quickly get there. I can do this thing. I can heal him. But in that moment, I would like to believe that Jesus had a conversation with God, his father, to say, Lord, this is how I feel. And I don't want to do what is not in your plan. So he and God have a discourse, and God says to him, no, you stay here, and give him some certain instructions, which Jesus did while he was waiting. And every time they came to him with 
more news to say, this guy, he was saying, no, my friend Lazarus is sleeping, I will go and awake him. When they came to him, as he got to, the, um, to Bethany, and they said, ah, by this time, look, this guy is dead. He's like, nope, I have heard from God. I am driven by what God has said to me, not how I feel. In another place, he goes there, he's preaching, everybody is hungry. His disciples come and tell him, sir, we are hungry. We feel some kind of way. Don't you care that we are hungry? And instead of doing the natural thing, which is, ah, oh, what can we do? Everybody bring money, let's go out. No, we see how instead of being led by his emotions, he's led by his communication with God. So the point I'm trying to make is in the same way you are created with the ability to feel, in that same way you are created with the ability to be able to communicate with the God who understands and knows all things. Now, why is it that we choose to be moved by what we feel, how we feel, as opposed to our communication, our constant access to God. That's the, that's the dichotomy I'm, I'm presenting before you, is that for most of us, we choose to react based on how we feel, as opposed to based on who we know. If I was in, if I was in a bank, and I knew that my father was Dangote, and the, 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 the banker comes to me and says, ah, sir, your ATM card is spoiled or is suspended. What do I do in that moment? I know who my father is. So I'm not, I'm not going to cry over spilled milk. I'm just like, bring me another one. Or I'm going to call my dad, and he will do this for me. Because I know who I have behind me. And that's what happens in a lot of our situations, is that we come in contact with something that's happening on the earth. We immediately respond to what has happened as opposed to who we know. And that is the key for us. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. Again, another situation. The, is, the disciples are on a boat with Jesus. The wind and the waters were raging. The disciples are taking care of the boat. Jesus is sleeping. They come to him and they're like, excuse me, sir, are you, <laughs> what's, that, what's that meme? At this time, you are still sleeping. It's not possible. They come to him and they're like, are you kidding me? We're about to die. You are sleeping. And Jesus is like, look, you guys come. Do you not know who I know? I'm not going to be led by the amount of emotional hula-baloo that's going on. I'm going to be led by who I know. And that's what I want. That's really how we gain mastery of our emotions is by staying rooted in the person that we know as opposed to how we feel. Now, the question is, how do I elevate who I know above how I feel? That is really the question for all of us today. So I'm going to ask you that question. Has anybody been in a situation where they felt some kind of way, but because they knew somebody, they were able to elevate that knowledge above how they felt? Has anybody ever had that kind of... You've had that. Do you want to, do you want to describe that? Sometime last week, I had a case, had an issue in the courts. So I know this is nice. Please, what did you do? Not <laughs> me, someone else. Somebody else. What did they do to you? No, I was someone else. But oh, okay, I so had this to get okay. a shorty for the person, and you know how Nigeria system is. They were all trying to postpone the issue, mm. but I knew someone. And I just had confidence, I'm like, ah, with this person, it's going to happen, and that was it. 
Who do you know, please? And can God. I also know them? God. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. And it worked out perfectly. It was supposed to take like a month, but it just took like two weeks. So, so that was it. Hmm. Has, has anybody else had a situation like that? Where they got into a massive hole, but there was no sense of fear, no sense of worry, because they're like, Okay, so there was this time I was traveling from Lagos to Port Harcourt. It was my first time traveling by road from Lagos to Port Harcourt. And I think when we got to Delta or somewhere around that side, we were stopped by a policeman. Mm. And I was holding my laptop. It was just on my lap. And the policeman seized my laptop. And I was like, uh -uh, why? what's going on? He said I have to provide the receipt. <laughs> my laptop, the laptop that I've had for like two years. I should mm. provide receipts from where? I said, ah, since when did this start happening? If you go to the airport, they don't ask you for receipts. It's like, why are you asking me for receipts? Are you, are you insulting me? Ah, almost. I said, no, wow. I said, I'm not insulting you now. He said, do you know I can arrest you? I said, I know you can arrest me. Well, like, I was just very calm because somehow, somehow, I knew that if this man should play some kind of funny things, I can call one or two persons, and hmm. I know that that would be okay. Hmm. So I wasn't even, you know, moved, but I knew that he could do something serious. So, yeah. Absolutely. And that is, as it were, that's how our lives are. We come into a situation, we are faced with something that is beyond, and that's really what happens. When you are faced with something that is beyond your own comprehension, your emotions begin to flare up. But because of who we know, we have received tips. We have received insight into how best to monitor and manage our emotions so that our emotions don't get the best of us. And that is one of the things that I myself am having to learn in this season. Let me just give you some insight into my own personal situation. Um, so so I, haven't dated anybody. I hadn't dated anybody for a while. And I met somebody. And you can, you can imagine what that feels like now. You've not dated anybody in a while. No, this was a while ago. Calm down. Don't get excited. I'm still very single. And, and I'm working on my emotions. I'm mastering it. But I, dated, I hadn't met anybody for a while. And I met somebody. And me, I was, I was feeling the vibe. You know, I was, really, I was really in the situation. I was quite, quite happy to have met this person. You know, we're, we're just in, we're, it seems like we're getting along and everything. Anyway, so we, do, we go on this process for a while, you know, go out to several days. As we're going through those days, I'm getting more and more comfortable. You know, I'm getting there and I'm, I shall get to the point where I'm like, okay, see, I'm led by the Spirit of God. So let me just put the question out there, like, would you like to, would you like to get to know me even more, you know? Um, and long story short, I received a special dose of breakfast that it was a dinner. You do get it. She served me something that was quite unpalatable in the moment. And I remember, so I'm, I'm just using this to paint the context. I remember hearing the news, getting the news, and then on the first day, you know, ha, ah, will, any man, will anybody love me? You know, a old man like me, you know, Omar Aaron, strong man, you know, fed in the word of God, deep, all this. I had a whole, you know, conversation with myself as to, and again, 
you need to understand. So I haven't noticed anybody for a while. I was fully expecting that. I was like, ah, but God, I gave you all of this. My, I gave you my innocence. Do you understand? I gave you these years of my life. I didn't diss anybody. I was following after you. So I'm sure by the time I do this thing once, you and I, you will just click it. Everything will move. So I don't have to go through any heartbreak. So imagine all of that. Just me in a, in a very emotional state. And, um, and then, you know, it was night, the next morning to try and get up to pray. I couldn't pray because my heart was doing me that stuff. It was, it was pinching me. Um, and all of that. And I remember getting, so I, this is the night and then the next morning. I remember sometime in the afternoon deciding, okay, you know what, I'm going to have to have a conversation with God about this. So I'm, I'm talking to God. I'm like, Lord, I don't really get what's going on. Why did this happen? I, didn't, I don't think I did anything wrong. I think I was as honest and as forthcoming and everything. And God and I, when we talk like that, we have deep conversations. And God said to me, yeah, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. But here's what's going on. If you allow this thing to get the better of you, you're going to go through a months-long season of depression. Here's what I'm going to do. This is God speaking to me. He says, here's what I'm going to do. You take the day and cry. But come tomorrow, I expect you to be strong and of good courage. And that was the scripture he gave me. Be strong and of good courage. So I was like, well, since you say I can cry today, I'm just going to cry. I lay in bed. I didn't do anything. I barely ate. I cry, 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 cry. I know I, I, not when I say cry, it's like one solo gangster tear, just that one. Just, you know, you know how they cry now. You know these action movies, this is just cry one. Um, but here's the point I'm trying to make. When I got up the next morning, God basically asked me a question. He says, do you know me? And I'm going to be very honest with you. My first reaction was, Ghana, this thing is a heartbreak. What does this have to do with do I know you? But he clearly asked me, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And as he, as he asked me that, the more I started to think about this God that I serve, who is never late, is always on time, whose thoughts are towards me are always good and not of evil, who wants what's best for me, the more I started to immerse myself in who it was I was serving, who it was I'm in relationship with, the more the sting of that thing started to fade away. And to be very honest with you, I'm a feeler. Like, when I get into a relationship with people, with my friends or whatever, I'm always the last person to let go. But for this relationship, in a day, I had stopped the, sad, the sadness. By the end of the week, it was like nothing had happened. And that's not who I am normally. Normally, I will go, my heart will go on and on. I'm the kind of person who will immerse myself in sad music and everything so that I can feel the pain, gong, gong, gong. So when I'm writing my stories, people will know that, ah, this guy has really felt this thing. But by the end of the week, I was, it was all done. No pain, no regret, nothing. And I'm not really a hard guy. I mean, don't be fooled by this thick exterior. I'm not really a hard guy. I'm actually a soft, soppy guy. But honestly, because of that awareness of who I was with, who was on this journey with me, I was able to get through that season. And coming out of that season, God had to start to teach me to put certain checks and balances around my emotions. I will not be moved by what people say anymore. That's another thing that God is teaching me. I, if I hear something that makes my heart shift, I need to make sure that I, I re set my heart by hearing other things that stabilize my heart. Those are some of the things that I'm doing now. So that's what, I, that's what we're going to spend the rest of this time talking about. 
when you are in an emotional situation, what are your when are you when you are in a situation where your emotions are dominating you? What are some of the things you do? Pastor Tony, ah, uh, Adi, there we go. Um, and good or bad, though, I just want to know what are some of the things you do. So, ooh, sorry, apologies. So for um, being in bad emotional states, right? Um, I think we're pretty similar in the sense that I'm a feeler as well. Um, yeah, so when, when someone does something to me, like I'm going to feel it, right? But I noticed that when I'm going through a bad time, the first thing that I realized that I actually need to do is I need to acknowledge that, yeah, this actually hurts. Now, the reason why that's important is because a lot of us live in denial, so you're hurt, but especially because of, pardon me for going sociological, but especially because of how we've been raised as men, um, there's a tendency for you to just want to push those feelings to the side and be like, oh, I'm a guy, I'm a hard guy, you know, men don't, men don't cry, that type of thing, right? So I had to go through that process of telling myself, like, yeah, like, it's okay to cry. Like, if somebody breaks your heart, like, it's fine. Like, it's a very valid emotion. So I feel like the first thing that I do is, one, acknowledging. And then the second thing that I'm learning to do is also, like, going through scriptures that speak to whatever it is that I'm feeling. So, for example, if I'm having, there was a period of time when I was having very bad dreams, very vivid dreams. I had to go and find scriptures that speak to the dream life. There was a time when like, I was going through emotional hurt. I had to go and find scripture, um, scriptures that spoke to those. So I think that that's very important. I'm talking about one, I'm talking about two, I'm talking about as many as you can possibly find. And what you do with those scriptures is that you take those scriptures, you meditate on them, and you begin to like speak them over your life. So with your name inside those scriptures. So every time, I don't know the operation in the spirit, I can't lie. I don't know what happens, but I just know that every time you combat what you're feeling with the scripture, it, it does wonders. And then the third thing that I usually do is I just play music because I'm a music guy, right? So I can play like a whole Maverick City album the entire day. I'll wake up, I'll sleep. Like that song, Jaira, I played that song so many times because, yeah, that song spoke to me in so many ways. So that's what I do when I'm feeling negative emotions. When I'm feeling positive emotions, it's pretty much the same thing. I say, oh yeah, this makes me really happy. And I probably will tell the person like, oh, you know, talking to you makes me happy or I'm so happy you came. Again, I acknowledge those feelings. I find scriptures to sort of like buttress and to solidify me in those, because you know, you can feel guilty for feeling good because of religion, right? So for example, if you go for a nice dinner or you go out or something and then, you know, maybe you've enjoyed, you not come back home and maybe the next morning you don't wake up early to pray. You'll not be feeling good that, ah, this one that I'm waking up early to pray. Yeah, so acknowledge those feelings, you know, get scriptures that sort of allow you know that, okay, you know, God wants us to have a great time. And then, of course, just stay around people that reaffirm you and people who make you feel worse throughout, basically. So, yeah. Awesome. Cage. Thank you. So, I think for me, when I'm feeling anything um, particular, like emotional, I like to talk it out because, like, I'm a I'm an overthinker. So for me, to in order to organize my thoughts, I have to like talk through it. I would like to say most times that's prayer, but it's not. Like sometimes it is. Sometimes it's literally talking to people about it, and then in talking to them, I'm realizing, okay, this is actually how it makes me feel, or okay, this is like what triggered me and all that. So yeah. 
Okay, so for me, when I'm feeling um, some type of way, I eat good food. Because <laughs> I, I, I have this thing that food heals broken hearts, <laughs> honestly. And I sleep. Somebody is feeding your testimony, right? Say, brother, say. Okay, carry So I sleep. And then I wake up. And I'm like, okay. I'm sleeping. <laughs> and then I also have these sessions that I call, like, my talk time with Jesus. So I just lay on my bed and, you know, verbally say out everything that I'm feeling when I'm on my own. Mm. And I just have this feeling that, you know, Jesus is just sitting by my side listening to me so I'm just talking and then sometimes as I'm talking tears roll down well it's not like I'm crying weeping but like the tears roll down and I'm still talking like just practically say everything and then when I'm done I clean my eyes I go and drink water or sleep or eat again I sleep again no, no I sleep again <laughs> and then go on TikTok and watch TikTok videos and yeah, I'll be okay. good ain't no wrong with TikTok So for me, when I go through such, what I do, I work out mentally and physically. So I hit the gym and sometimes I just go, that's physically, I hit the gym just to work on my body. While you're pumping and doing all those things, you're letting go of whatever. Then when I talk about mentally, I talk to someone or I go on Instagram or TikTok, watch all these inspirational talks and everything and I boost my spirit up. Awesome. Take one. All right. Um, my, it's the opposite. Um, I think sometimes last year, having this, um, I was really passing through a lot. So I, I was like blaming God that it seems that why is everything not going the right way? You know, no job, nothing, nothing. And I'm this kind of person, I don't know how to talk to people. Yes, I know fun facts, I can talk a lot, but I don't know how to talk to people when I'm having problems. So it was, it was that time where I felt um, I need to break out. And I'm, if not for life, we're in church, I guess. If not for them, I mean, I couldn't have a conversation with a lot of people that would come to the church and talk. Because through there, I could talk to people so during that time, I was able to call people, you know, call them on the phone, few words in the groups and male gender. They'll call some, call me up, you know. We got talking about it because I'm not the kind of person who would talk anything out. So I think it's something I've learned that through those time of my emotions when I'm down, I should be able to, each time it happens next, because it's definitely going to happen. So it's why I should be able to control it, call people up, no, I know I'm not the one who's so very deep into people was the right thing that I do at that particular time and really helped me a lot, especially those are the burden of life for in church. Awesome. Awesome. That's pretty good. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so before we before I get to the last bit of what I had to share, I was just as you guys were speaking, I was having a conversation with God in my mind, just trying to say, how do I go about really explaining this in a way that makes that marks your thinking for the future. And there's something I'm going to do, so I want you to just bear with me. It's a bit uh, 
technical, but I want you to just bear with me. In our, in the same way that we as human beings have, you know, our physical anatomy, spiritually we have our spiritual anatomy as well. So we have, we are spirit, we have a soul, and we live inside a human body. What that means is the real me is the spirit that's on the inside of me. The God portion of me that has been put on the inside of me, that's who I really am. I have a soul and I live inside a body. Let me address the body bit first. This shirt that I'm wearing is a shirt. It only has animation because I'm inside of it. The minute I take this shirt off and put it on the bed, it ceases to move. It cannot go from here to, Lego, to, to my house because it does not have a body on the inside of it that is moving it in the way it should go. In the same way, this flesh that we have, it is only guided and moved by the spirit that's on the inside of us. The Bible says in, in Genesis that when Adam was formed, he was formed from the dust of the ground. And the Bible says, and then God breathed into him and by transmitting his spirit into that body on the ground, Adam became a living being. So, the breath of God that went into Adam, that was Adam's spirit. The body that was created, that's Adam's flesh. However, we have a soul. Our soul is our will, our minds, our emotions. Our ability to be able to understand who God is. Our ability to be able to feel our ability to be able to let things in and let things out that is our soul and it is that part of our that that part of our anatomy that the devil actively attacks so i'll give you a classic example as a man i watch something on tv and all of a sudden i start to feel some way in my in my regions that is not a spirit led thing what is happening is the devil is using what i'm seeing and he's making some kind of, he's sending an impulse to the feelings in my soul to make my body do something. That is what happens when we feel ungodlike feelings. The devil is like a remote control. The devil stays where he is. He presses something on his remote control, channel 34. And in our souls, we receive that impulse. And then it starts to have an effect on our bodies. I'll give you another example. There have been days when people have asked me, how are you doing? I have no idea how I'm doing when I wake up in the morning, but the minute they ask me, how are you doing? I say, I'm sad. All of a sudden, my body starts to feel sad. Or, you know, I watch something on TV that is really heartbreaking. They shoot somebody in the street or something, and I see that I might have been fine all the way through, but because of what I've seen, because of what my soul has taken in, my entire body starts to act in a way that is not consistent with what God wants from me. Has anybody experienced that before? So the point I'm trying to make is that if you understand your anatomy, if you understand that what you feel is not who you are, you can start to make adjustments to what you feel. If you understand that your spirit is what drives you, not your flesh and not your soul, you can start to make adjustments. So whenever you are going through something, the first question I want you to ask yourself is, which part of me is dominating right now? Is it my spirit? Is it my soul? Is it my body? When you are heartbroken, somebody does something or says something to you that hurts you, and you immediately want to react in anger, ask yourself the question, who has the dominance? Is it my spirit? 
Is it my flesh? Is it my soul? Who is, who is operating? Who is driving the wheel at this point? The Bible says that sin can, must not have dominion over you. You can get to a point in your life where you and God are the ones who dominate everything you do. And that's what Jesus demonstrated for us. When they came to him with bad news, he would... T- the Bible talks about how in a situation, they wanted to stone this woman who was caught in adultery. And the Bible says that when they came to him and they said, ah, this woman was caught in adultery, blah, blah, blah. Mosaic law says we must stone her. He takes a second to do an analysis. Who do I want to win in this situation? My spirit or my flesh? And as he has that conversation with God, he begins to receive the wisdom in his spirit to be able to dominate that situation. And that is really what we need to start to do in our emotional lives. Before you react, the Bible says, be angry but do not sin. Let me ask you a question. How do you do that? How are you angry but not sinning? It means that there must be some kind of conversation that you're having with yourself to say, I'm feeling this way, but I refuse to let the anger drive me. Or you get into a situation where you feel, you know, you're starting to feel like your emotions are coming, you're starting to feel a bit depressed. I've had situations like that where I've had to stop, what's, what's going on? Something is going on. What? And then in that moment, I choose to cooperate with my spirit and not with how I feel. So that's why they sing that we are not moved by what we feel. Hallelujah. We are only moved by the word of God. Hallelujah. The real key is having the presence of mind in the moment to have a conversation with yourself. Who do I want to win in this battle? Our problems for most of us is that we are happy to let our feelings lead us. We are happy to let our feelings dominate. We are the ones who, when we feel some kind of way, then we will now go and look for all those old heartbreak tracks from Usher and we will now play it so that the air will also be filled with heartbreak and sadness. We want, to eat, we want to eat ourselves into sadness. We want to sleep. Uh, no. And I'm not saying your, your approach is wrong. Me, I do it too. I sleep, I wake up, I'm energized, I'm ready to go. But I'm saying you have to have that conversation with God. God, I do not want to be led by my emotions. I want to be really sad funk. David starts to say, he, says, he starts to say to himself, he says, so, so, why are you disquieted within me? You can have those conversations with yourself. Say, Demani, why are you sad? What is going on with you? But don't wait for your soul to respond. He says to himself, he says, hope thou in the Lord. So we know God. We know who we know. Guy, why are you sad? Don't you remember that we know God? He's the, he's the health of our life. He's the strength of our bodies. He's the one who holds us. Have those conversations with yourself. Don't be so quick to accept what your emotions are telling you. Because our emotions are liars. How many people know that emotions are liars? How many people have seen somebody, you think, ah, oh, man, I love this baby. Oh, God, I love her. And then somebody else comes, you're like, well, I also love you. Or you're telling yourself, man, I'm so hungry right now. Do you know, ah, if, I'm, if I see a cow, I'll eat it. And then your friends are like, oh, guys, you want to go do this fun activity? And then you guys go out. And then for six hours, you guys are having fun. And you totally forget how hungry you are. Our emotions are consistently lying to us. And what's worse is we, we are consistently buying what they are selling. But there is a more excellent way. There is a higher way of living. You can, by the grace of God, we've been, that's why I, I explained that anatomy to us. You actually have the ability to be able to separate. The Bible says the word of God has the ability to separate spirit from soul. You, we, by the grace of God and with the word of God, we have the ability to have those conversations where we can separate our anatomy and say, ah, 
It's not everything that, not all of me that has a problem. It's just my soul. I need to fix that. And then you, you and God have conversations. God, what do we do to, re, to resolve this situation? And like you are all saying, with the word of God on your heart, in your lips, with the, with the counsel of God, with things like rest and exercise and all these things, you can begin to adjust the, the temperature of your soul so that it's not so hot, it's not so cold. It is where it needs to be at all times. And these are the practices I want us to start to develop. So the next time you feel yourself being, you know, ridden down by what you are feeling, being led by what you are feeling, why don't you just take a second and start to ask yourself, Lord, you talk to yourself. Demandy, what's going on here? Why am I feeling this way? Try and understand why you are feeling the way you are feeling, not by yourself, but with the help of the Holy Spirit. And then start to ask God, Lord, what do I do to counteract this feeling so that I can feel what you want me to feel in this moment? And like we were saying, like Daniel said, there are so many scriptures in the Bible to address so many things. There are scriptures to address anger. You know what? If you go on Google one of these days and you see how you're feeling, you say, scriptures against anger, you will see, they will give you 27 scriptures for this, 500 and something scriptures for that. There is this, the word of God, it is a veritable treasure trove of scriptures for modulating your emotions. If you read Proverbs and the Psalms, you will see David in one place will say, Lord God, I'm so angry. My enemies are all around me. They are doing this, they are doing that. Uh, you know, when I look to the left, they try and swallow me up. When I look to the right, they try and chase me down. But you will see, by the time he gets to the end of the proverb, he will start to say, but I know in whom I believed. I know that my God is more than able to save me. I know that even though, you know, I walk through the fire, he's with me. He, by the time he's had that conversation within himself, he always comes to the right spiritual conclusion. And that's how we live a life where we are not moved or we are not driven by our emotions. So, as we begin to wrap up, here is my question for you. What is that singular emotion that you've seen in your, in your life that consistently drives you? And I, this is not a I want you to take some time to think and hopefully write it down in your phone. There, there is one emotion that has been driving you for the most part in the past couple of months. And I want you to think about that. So take a second. Me, I've thought about it. I have my answers here. What's that emotion? Sadness, anger, jealousy. Jealousy, envy, greed, um, sorrow. Um, I'm, uh, now I, it looks like I didn't go to school. But there's a whole, a whole spectrum of emotions. I want you to think about it. And then I want you to now make a decision. And, and I'm hoping you're having this conversation with God as we're speaking. To say, Lord, I know that this feeling, this emotion has been leading me in the past. It has caused me to make decisions, to do things that are not consistent with who I know, with who you are. Start to tell God, Lord, as I go through this situation, I want you to bring it to my remembrance to have a conversation with you about this. I want you to bring it to my remembrance. Whenever I'm about to be led by this emotion, I want you and your Holy Spirit to lead, to remind me that I know you, that I'm not led by this emotion. And Lord, as I read the word, as I study, as I spend time in conversation with you, I also want you to expose my eyes, expose my mind, my spirit to new scriptures that will help me overcome this emotion. 
so that when he comes against me, I have the perfect reply for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let us let us pray. Our Father, we thank you because your word says that the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. Lord, we thank you because as we hear from your word, as you teach us, Lord, you give us the grace, the ability to be able to walk in the truth that you've exposed us to. So, Lord, we ask for everyone here present that the truth of your word will dwell in our hearts. That when the enemy comes against us with stories that are designed to shift our emotions to things that are not of you, that Lord, when the enemy comes against us like a flood, your spirit will raise up a standard of righteousness against it. And that Lord, we will not be moved by the things we hear, we will not be moved by the things we see, we will only be moved by the word of God. So Lord, I ask for everyone here present for presence of mind and for the leading of the Holy Spirit that your truth will be our compass your of our emotions Father we thank you because we know you will do more than we can ask or think Lord Jesus we thank you because we know that your grace strengthens us your grace has been made available to us and Holy Spirit we thank you because we know you are the one who leads and instructs and guides us we know that you will do in our lives more than we can ask or think, more than we can ever imagine. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we have prayed. And all God's people say, Amen and Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.